Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we are back. Welcome to Monday, July 13th. Um, I want to start out by thanking all of you. Um, we have, you know, I didn't tell you this, Julie. We have blown over 8 million uh, wow. downloads awesome. in the last re- uh, reporting period. We're actually about 8,100,000, so that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Thanks for all of you regular listeners, and thanks for all of you who have been consistently sharing our podcast with everyone else. It means the world to us that what we have to say has so much impact on so many people consistently, and that really means a lot to Julie and I. It motivates us to keep going. And also, thank you for continuing to make Harris Rules. Have you looked at the uh, reviews I on Amazon? Today. Yeah, you should do that every day. Yeah. It's like a little shot of, know. you know. I like it. Yeah, it feels good. been on the phone all day. That's yeah. Cool. Well, so anyway, thank you for all of you who have been uh, purchasing Harris Rules um, and uh, buying the new audiobook version and all the great reviews. We're right around 400 five-star reviews now, so that's fantastic. I don't know if you guys knew this, but this is kind of a strange thing. Most bestseller books like sell barely a thousand books like ever. It's really kind of shocking to consider when you hear something's a bestseller and you, you don't know what the numbers are. Well, I know our the original Harris Rules, if you include um, the uh, – what's that version called? The uh, Kindle. Kindle version. Yeah, we had something like 100,000 sales. I mean, so it's it's pretty amazing how I think ready the market is, you guys are, for what Julie and I have to say about – you know, how to basically survive and thrive and, you know, be of service to others and make a great profit in the real estate business. It's really not that complicated mm-hmm. when you follow sort of the basic tenets that we lay out in Harris Rules. If you've not purchased the book yet, please consider doing so. And it's available on Amazon. It's available also on Barnes & Noble, but I'm hesitant to say that because I'm not even sure if Barnes & Noble is open now. Is it? Who knows? They may be faster than Amazon for some people because Amazon's so backed up right now. But yeah, probably. That's worth a try either one. Or you can just download and listen to the Audible version. Yeah, which is what I would do. Yeah, that's the fastest. Right. So just get the uh, Audible version of it and you can download that from Amazon or from um, your uh, podcast, or not your podcast, but your audio book. Well, I think it's, is it an Audible account on your iPhones or yeah. is this just an audio? Who knows? You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. So in the meantime, we are, there's a lot of breaking news and a lot of headlines. Um, before we get to the breaking news and the headlines, um, listen to the show that Julie and I did yesterday. It was Sunday, July the 12th. I've been getting a lot of people that are thanking us for that show in particular. The show, I think, was actually two hours long. <laughs> Our Sunday show is proving to be one of the most popular shows of the week, and it's because Julie and I are a lot more unplugged, and we're not really focused on a particular agenda. We sort of are kind of defragging from the previous week and sort of getting ready for the next week. But yesterday's podcast took some interesting turns and twists. We ended up talking about our what I think you could only call our prognostications of mm-hmm. the next year to come. We were talking a lot about the fact that distressed real estate's definitely going to return. We're talking mostly, and you know, this is definitely not something we intended to talk about, but we ended up probably talking about it for like almost an hour. All the different uh, taxes and the things that are going to be coming into all of our lives in the next 12 to 18 months. And it just is something you definitely want to be preparing for. So 
do consider listening to our podcast from yesterday. It's uh, July the 12th, which is on a Sunday. And uh, yeah, get ready because we really have, we spent a lot of time researching that topic for um, actually for some real estate brokerages we're consulting with because the truth is is that the unintended consequences of the coronavirus and sales tax receipts and property taxes and all these other things um, not being what they would have been because of the coronavirus you're going to see all of those taxes and more that are going to go up they're planning on talk and they're talking about well julie heard a crazy one today she told me about it on the car this morning what was the tax you had communication services tax yeah so what was that your zoom app that you're supposed to start paying, you know, when you buy that, I guess we haven't been paying sales tax and stuff like that, and now we're supposed to do that. Yeah, you know, I bet you they're going to try to charge. Yeah. I wonder if they charge like a per meeting tax. Can you imagine? I know. I know. It's crazy. So there, there's all kinds of Well, they could. Zoom craftiness. could definitely keep track of how sure. many, you know, who is doing a podcast when, and that would be an mm-hmm. added, you know, service. Oh, my gosh. See what I'm saying, <laughs> listeners? Slippery slope. So, it's a slippery slope. So go, while we can, let's all laugh about it because it looks like all these taxes are going to be increasing next year. And the, of course, the taxing authorities and the politicians are all blaming the coronavirus, um, calling some of these taxes temporary. But you all have, when was the last time you saw a temporary tax uh, not become permanent? I can only imagine, or I can only remember personally in the state of Texas where I've ever seen that take place. Um, maybe there's some other examples, but yeah. So there you go. Important for you to know what's going to be happening next year when you combine the changes that are happening in the real estate markets with the uh, inevitability of the increasing in property taxes. This is a good opportunity for you to be doing some serious pivoting in your thinking and in your business planning so that you can be overprepared for what comes next. Now, what we're going to be doing and what we always do is we keep every, everything we deliver informationally practical and tactical. Julie and I are never going to waste time on essentially, you know, mindset stuff. We're not going to waste time on any of this sort of glorified, you know, quote unquote working stuff like branding and all that. Those things do have a place, but they certainly don't have much of a place in a market that's going to be changing as quickly and unfortunately as radically as what we're going to be experiencing over the next 12 to 18 months. Um, it is inevitable that the market's going to uh, have a sh- massive shift all over the country and more and more articles and more and more studies are coming out that are validating what we've been warning you guys about since the coronavirus started. Um, and we also talked again excessively about this on Sunday. And I think we also talked about this on Friday, how we are looking at the normal canaries in the coal mine that Julie and I monitor, specifically BPO orders. And we're seeing dramatic increases in places where there haven't been a lot of BPO orders over the past, like, say, for example, 24 months. And so the BPO orders are always the precursors to a radically and quickly changing market. So definitely stay focused, definitely stay drilled down. And we're always going to tell you guys the truth. We're going to give you the information that you must have so you can be professionally, personally, and financially prepared. So any thoughts from your uh, coaching calls today? I I can tell you one thing that's really happening is that the listing agents, you know, and what do you consider a listing agent? Somebody who is primarily uh, doing listings versus being dependent on buyers. So the, the people who, you know, our coaching clients or podcast listeners who have figured out how to be a very powerful listing agent, those guys are incredibly busy right now. Lots of dual agency going on, lots of uh, you know, negotiating to sort out, but it's, it's kind of, uh, I guess it's a nice problem to have that I'm hearing from them, it is trying to keep up with their lead follow-up because their listings are generating so much action, which is exactly what's supposed to happen and the exact point of knowing what your magic number is. But you know, even on uh, private calls, it's like, all right, how are we gonna replace these listings? 
And it's like one thing after another, they'll say, oh yeah, I got to follow up on this one. I got to follow up on that one. And it's all being self-generated off their listings, which I think is awesome. And I do feel kind of bad for the buyer's agents who are out there competing because the listing agent always wins. The seller's going to win. The buyer agents, you know, there could be 12 offers. 11 people didn't win that day. You know, so was it two weeks ago, we talked in this podcast how we were, and we've talked about this for the last like three or four years on our podcast, Mm -hmm. the essential R projection that there's going to be, if you want to know where or what part of the real estate business is going to most likely see the biggest changes happening with regards to commissions, it's definitely on the buyer agent side of the transaction. And I've come across more or less anecdotal information supporting that. And what we're going to possibly see sooner than later is as there's a price, uh, you know, essentially as prices on homes start to level off, if not fall in some markets, you're going to start seeing um, brokerages that are going to start making the buyer side of the commissions no longer uh, basically an entitlement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And let me put this, let me frame this out for you guys. So I know all of you, most of you have been listing agents before, or at least you, you know what I'm talking about. But when you go and fill out the listing contract, you know, you, you write down what the commission is and you write down what the co-op is, or, you know, type it into the, you know, DocuSign or whatever. So basically the seller's knowing that a portion of the commission that they're paying out is going to go to the buyer agent side. Well, it turns in, you know, you got to sort of wonder sometimes, well, why is it that the seller is paying um, the commission for the agent that's bringing the buyer? Shouldn't the buyer be paying the commission for the agent who's providing the service? There's no other industry where essentially a seller would be providing the uh, cost. Co- yeah, know, the, it's the, completely the, twisted from the beginning. It is twisted. I mean, I'm glad, that up. I'm glad it is. It's fantastic, yeah. right? I mean, it's for the betterment of the industry. But nowhere else, well, Canada, arguably, there's buyer agent commissions over there. But in the rest of the world, guys, it doesn't work like that. In the rest of the world, you have listing agents. And if you want to be working with an agent that's not the listing agent, agent within the listing agent's brokerage, you've got to pay that agent yourself. And there's no reason to believe that same thing's not going to start happening here. So the idea that there's an entitlement, like a buyer's agent can, you know, an agent can get a you know, license and they can just work with buyers and that there always is going to be a, you know, two and a half or a 3% or whatever commission waiting there if they bring a buyer, present a buyer to a house and write the contract and gets accepted. That is not going to be the way we're projecting it's going to evolve. And going forward, again, as people start to become hypersensitive to the commissions they're paying, sellers is what I'm talking about. You're going to start seeing brokerages that are going to start suggesting, well, why don't we make it so that if there's a buyer agent, that the buyer agent then has to ask their own buyer, uh, their own buyer to pay the commission for the mm-hmm. buyer's agent. That means that buyer's agents are then going to have to have presentations. Buyer's agents are going to have to be able to explain the value that they provide and why, happening. and why the buyer will um, want to pay the buyer's agent's portion of the commission. And interestingly enough, that is financeable. So for example, you are working with a buyer. They want to buy a half million dollar house. And let's say in your marketplace, that's, you know, a, you know it's been traditionally a $15,000 co-op, a 3% co-op. Well, are, do you have the skill set now to explain to the buyer why you're worth $15,000 and maybe they're you know, going to have a, a little bit of price shock when they're realizing essentially what your services have been costing them? I'm not telling you this because we're wishing this on the market. Trust me, when it comes to commissions, we hope nothing changes. It works, right? But it naturally makes it makes sense that naturally the market's going to evolve as there's hypothetical downward pricing pressure on listings, where people start to live. You know, they're going to start living in fear of what essentially the um, you know their their equity position is. And as some of these properties start becoming bank controlled properties, there's absolutely going to be downward pressure on commissions. 
expect that to happen. So the only safe harbor for this changing market is going to be have a majority of your business be on the listing side of the business, of which there's plenty of listing side of the business to be had, especially in a changing market as people have to sell their homes. So please listen to what we're saying. Generally speaking, we're pretty on target with our projections and our expectations of what are going to take place. Again, be clear, we're not wishing that anything happens differently, especially with regards to commissions. But if what we're saying happens and you really start seeing that be a thing this time next year and you're primarily a buyer's agent, unless you know how to sell that buyer and why you're worth whatever the commission is, good luck. You know? Well, and you, you know that they struggle with this because they don't even get a buyer agency signed at all, much less get paid right? or ask, ask to be paid, right? And why is that? I'll tell you exactly why, because we teach it in coaching. So because you never have an actual buyer presentation, why is it that sellers get a, an elaborate listing presentation and you know how to handle those objections, hopefully, but then when a buyer puts you on the spot, agents get all up in arms. I can't believe I had to interview to get buyer business. Right. Well, I mean, come on, have a little bit of respect. We give you a buyer presentation that's absolutely turned Well, when we sold real estate, we, yeah. ha- we had, what, six or seven agents that worked for mm-hmm. us, and they were buyer assistants, basically, and they had a buyer presentation that was identical to a listing presentation, and just like a listing presentation, the objective of the list of the buyer presentation was to get the buyer agency contract signed, and we also wanted them to have a sample net sheet signed, disclosing all the buyer's hypothetical right. costs, and also the buyer agent uh, would get the seller or the buyer to agree to a certain duration of time where they would be a service, an exclusive service provider, just like a listing contract. And yes, we did have uh, guarantees that are intertwined with it, and with regards to if the you know buyer wasn't happy with the services that are provided, that's all part of our coaching program. See how we've already thought all this out for you? Well, so why do they suck at it? Because they, they when they go to close, just like in a, list, in a listing presentation, if you don't actually have it sorted out, the definition of closing, i.e. asking for the signature, is the logical ending to a great presentation. You don't get buyer agency signed because you never have a great presentation, which means you get objections and you cave. That's right. But you did say something a second ago that was actually quite humorous. Right. When you and I will tell, you know, when we're in front of groups of agents, and I just always hearken back to all the live presentations we've done. And I have to say, I, for one, am thrilled that we're doing so many Zooms. We don't <laughs> have to too. go on the road anymore. I know. But um, I remember when you talk about buyer's agency, the number one thing you always hear in agents, they always say this, they don't do that in my market. Yeah. Nobody does that in my no, market. No, what you mean is you don't do it in your market. Yeah, you don't. There's agents doing it. They're the ones That's that are actually right. keeping the buyers you know, in contract. Well, you know, you have to basically excel to the buyer why they'd want to sign an exclusive agreement with you. You'll have to earn their business just like you did on the listing side. So where does all this go? It always goes back to skills. So if you want to actually have the skills necessary for a market like this, you better not wait for the market to actually, don't wait to see if Julie and I are right, because we are. And even if we're only 75% right, that's still going to be 75% difference in how the market is now. And there's lots of anecdotal and not so anecdotal information that we're going to be sharing with you that validates the fact that the market that's going to be, you know, here in in present 12 months is going to be a skills-based market. While you can, I want you to go ahead and text the word education. Is that right? Education? Yeah, to 31996. Text the word education to 3199. Actually, I have a better one. This will get you guys there faster. Text the word Harris to 31996. Text the word Harris to 31996. And we'll text you back not only the 90-day massive action plan, but we'll also text you back the book, The Real Estate Treasure Map. Both of those, the 90-day massive action plan, have you gotten that updated yet? I didn't ask you. Yes. 
It's updated and loaded? It's not posted yet. I'm getting the watermarks and everything done. Oh, okay. So they're going to have the newest yeah. version. Okay, good. So text the word Harris to 31996. And that will well, tell them what the 90 Massive Action Plan well, is since it, you wrote it. <laughs> it causes you to be introspective about what your, where your actual business is actually coming from because there's a little discussion about getting more out of what's working usually will work faster than trying to reinvent the wheel. So we have a little discussion about where your business is coming from, sourcing it, are you on track ahead or behind for the year? And then making some projections based on first, what you have to earn for the rest of the year or the next 90 days. And then we add the value of your goals in five areas of life, because that's what you know you got into real estate for is not just to break even, you can do that with a normal job, right? So we have what you have to make, then we have what you have to make plus your goal money, like paying stuff off or, and or saving, buying a new car, whatever the case may be. And then we divide that out over 90 days and that will eventually, through the math that's in the 90 day plan, give you how many units you need to sell based on your actual net average commission. And then it, it has you figure out how you're going to actually do that. So you've got to know what those numbers are in order for you to achieve them, right? So how many agents never achieve their goal because they don't really know what the goal is in the first place. They just, they'll answer, oh, I just want to do more. I want to do better. And you guys remember the homework from a podcast we did last week where you're supposed to take a calendar for the next six months and mark off the days you were working and not yep. working. And remember how Julie and I told you we've done that a million times with other coaching clients and it always works out this time of year, starting July 1st. If you actually do this seriously, take out all the weekends and the this is and the other things, it almost always comes out to be a bit, be between usually around 93 days. Yep. So realistically, you guys have 93 day working days the rest of this year. How many of you don't know what you should be doing in the next 90 days? For working days, we'll have a great solution for you. Download the 90-day massive action plan, and it's free. That's something we, you know, Julie's updating, and we created a long time ago. That's been one of the bedrocks of getting into action. It's the education aspect of what we do, and backed up by obviously the action part. That would that's the ingredients that you provide. So go ahead and text the word Harris H A R R I S to three one nine nine six, and we're going to text you back the link to download the books. And you'll also be entitled to a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches, where you can talk about your ninety day massive action plan. We'll find out if if we're a fit for you to be your coach. And you decide if we're a fit for you to be your coach as well. So just go ahead and text the word Harris to 31996. Text the word Harris to 31996. So Julie, I have yes. a question for you. Uh -huh. When I was sharing those headlines with you mm -hmm. today, because mm -hmm. I did the research, did you find, did, you didn't have time for research, no. right? Yeah. Today I've been. Yeah. Fortunately, long. Julie had more coaching calls than me. So my day was easier. <laughs> I'm doing my research via the the coaching clients. Yeah, I know. Well, your research. <laughs> yes. But is I did read more. all of your articles. I did. Well, so here's the funny part of today's stories. I mean, obviously, it was an onslaught of really crappy news. But yeah. starting out with housing news, right? Yeah. But starting out, well, crap, crappy is a you know a specific category, right? Yeah. I think. Well, so this, but this is the first one. Did home builders saw the strongest June sales since the housing boom as pandemic pushes more buyers to the suburbs? But what, here's what's really fascinating about this. It was the strongest June sales, sales, I assume that implies closings, sales of newly built homes jumped 55% annually in June, or according to a monthly survey by John Burns Real Estate Consulting. We had him on our podcast a long time ago, which has historically mirrored the U.S. Census report. It was, a lar it was the largest annual gain since home building began, <laughs> home building began, again, following the epic housing crash a decade ago. It was also the highest pace since the height of the unprecedented housing boom 
in 2005. I love this story. Yeah, I'm so happy to <laughs> Maybe see Maybe we that. just end here. <laughs> well, I mean, let's, let's tie this into reality because I think that this podcast is becoming a skills-themed podcast, right? So one of the things that I'm working on with coaching clients is putting them on the spot when they all complain about not enough inventory. Well, I've got all these leads that are saying I would move, but I don't know if I can find anything. So ask yourselves, what is your objection handler to that? There is no one answer, but my favorite answer is new construction. So I wanted to tie that to this article, Builders Are Back Building Again. And it also talks about in this article that uh, the building that's happening out in the suburbs is of course less uh, cost for land acquisition. The house ends up being not as expensive as in urban areas and that ties right into some of your other articles. It does. And so these are all trends that guess who, oh, I remember Julie and I were telling you guys about, well, we've been telling you about these for years, but what's happened is the trends that we're now seeing become reality where it would have otherwise taken uh, 10 years, 20 years. I mean, literally a whole generation. And because of the pandemic, everything's changing. It's not, that's not just something to say. I mean, listen to yesterday's podcast. Julie and I started going through the gambit of all the things that will never be the same. And honestly, most of the things that will never be the same, we should all sort of like, you know, we can uh, light a candle, you know, but at the end of the day, what's coming next will be massively better than what was. There's so many things, um, you know, institutional type things that were predicated on a set of uh, beliefs or sort of, a you know, a, a, I think what you call a social contract that no longer even exists anymore. And I'm talking about everything from schools to, you know, the manner in which uh, people, you know, conduct business and the services they provide to businesses. But also this big one, this is the story. You can go to this next one next. Mm -hmm. I'll read the headline. I think this one's, well, I mean, it doesn't matter who said it, but in the essence, well, you can read it. I mean, uh, it's you a good mean the Shark Tank one. Yeah. I think. Okay. So let me just open that real quick. Shark Tank investor, I think it's Herjavec. We're about to see the biggest exodus from cities in 50 years. He says he believes that the coronavirus pandemic has shifted attitudes about city living, altering the dynamics of the real estate market for years ahead. This is one of the greatest moves to the suburbs from urban areas since the 50s or 60s, he said on CNBC. I recently moved out of L.A. to a suburban area. I can tell you on a very personal level, my area is on fire. Um, Let's see what else it says here. On Wednesday, new data showed, for example, that New York City apartment vacancy in June hit a record high of almost 4%. That doesn't sound like a high percent, except remember how much there is in New York City. That's more than 10,000 apartments listed on the market that month, an 85% increase compared with June of last year, according to a report from Miller, Samuel, and Douglas Elliman. The report largely attributed the spike to brokers being unable to show apartments due to business restrictions as well as a general decline in demand. So I think that's interesting. And it's not just New York. I mean, I'm hearing that from that's everywhere. clients all over the place. You know, it's, uh, there's an article that you're going to be reading in a second, and it kind of plays right into that one. Well, actually, I'll just it's the last article there. Okay. Read, read the next one first. You remember that guy from yes, back I do. in the day? That's right. <laughs> and you know what? Here's why you pay attention to this guy. He's one of the only ones that really accurately predicted the previous uh, Robert Schiller. crash. Yeah, um, Case-Shiller Housing Index. He's the Schiller in the Case-Shiller Index. Uh, he says, quote, I think there's a risk that home prices in urban areas may decline, Nobel Prize winning economist Robert Schiller told CNBC. The benefits of city living like restaurants, museums, and theater shows have been put into question during the pandemic. He said that assets are highly priced across major markets, including housing, stocks, and bonds. Um, he says that the pandemic could cause a decline in urban housing prices if employees continue to work from home and forego city life. 
I think there's a risk that home prices in areas will decline. Um, let's see. So he goes on to give some examples. But Schiller, who correctly predicted the housing bust of 2007 and 8, said assets are highly priced across uh, markets, including housing. Um, let's see. We're experiencing a different kind of world where we're all online, and that will change the kinds of jobs we have, which, of course, will change housing. And, and so he's a very, perhaps one of the most reputable people to be talking about this. So that's pretty. Well, that Nobel Prize thing doesn't hurt, right? Doesn't but hurt. but the thing that's fascinating <laughs> about that is that, yes, it was the coronavirus that sort of caused that, uh, you know, sort of maybe the whole momentum outside of this, you know, to the suburbs and the countryside. But really what it was, it wasn't the coronavirus. People aren't necessarily fleeing fear of virus. People are fleeing not wanting to have the lifestyle and the expense anymore that's associated with living in those massively densely populated, incredibly expensive areas. Well, and there's a lot of reports saying that just because you are allowed to go out again doesn't mean that people actually are or are comfortable doing that. Look at the big discussion, the the hot topic because of time of year it is, is school. Yep. You know, just because school is opening up does not necessarily mean that everybody's coming back. So I think that'll be interesting to watch. And then we have this other story going on in the background about uh, rent. Coronavirus rent freezes are ending and a wave of evictions will sweep America. So we've talked a lot in the past podcasts about the impact of timing, you know, when the forbearances are done, when the eviction moratoriums are done, and when the PPP money runs out, because these things are kind of coming into alignment all at the same Pers- time. Personally, I read that article. I, I gave it to you to share, but I don't really think it's that valid because it doesn't take into that one. That article has a little bit of a political bent to it, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure that article is valid in that it's not taking into consideration the fact that some, in some cases, landlords can actually work with the tenants to keep the tenants yeah, in the it properties. Is, it, it was a bit assumptive that everybody's just going to be thrown out. Exactly. I, I mean, the, really rent, the, the, the rent moratorium wasn't what was keeping people in their properties. Properties. It was uh, the fact that uh, landlords didn't want to have a bunch of vacancies. Julie and I have a bunch of rental properties, and I can tell you right now. We worked we, some deals out. Hell yeah, we did. You think I'd rather have it vacant than I would have somebody paying no. a quarter or a half rent and working it out on the back end? I mean, there's so just to make the you know evil landlord the you know fall guy of you know yeah. persecuting the poor renter, that just seemed a little bit, you know. Especially when there's also demand for gobbling up more apartments, you know, because that's been reported on as well. Right. So uh, anyway. it's something to watch, you know. Well, but it is, so I think the major point of that article is what happens after the forbearances for mortgages expire. What happens after the, you know, the enhanced unemployment is whatever they're going to call it expires. What happens after all these government lifelines, and they're all going to expire inconveniently around the same, well, they are now (laughs) all expiring, but the mortgage forbearances start to expire when, listeners, you guessed it, if it's a 12-month mortgage forbearance in the spring of 2021, which is leading actually to the last article that I found for Julie today. Yes. Okay. Storm clouds gathering over the housing market. This is from DS News. The housing markets most vulnerable to impacts from the virus pandemic tend to be located along the West Coast, clustered around New York, Baltimore, and Washington, D.C., and numerous markets around the Chicago area. Uh, They assessed 406 counties for the share of homes under threat of foreclosure, the share of underwater homes, and the percentage of local wages necessary to cover major homeownership expenses. So this is how they put together their projections, and just in case listeners aren't aware, what is an underwater home? Now we're getting all of these. I know. You know, distress terms floating around. An underwater home is where you are. You owe more than uh, the house is actually worth. Okay, so that's all that means. Uh, in 47 of 50, at most risk counties, more than one in 750 homes face foreclosure. 
The highest rate was in Cumberland County, New Jersey, where one in every 180 properties faced foreclosure. So that, I mean, that's a lot, one in 180. Sure it is. That's very high. Um, in 36 of the 50 most at-risk counties, at least 15% of the homes with a mortgage owed more than their home was worth as of Q1 2020. That wasn't even on the other side of the pandemic. So That's a shocking. Where was that again? 15%? Um, 36 of oh. the 50 most at-risk counties. So it's not just one place. In 36 right. markets, at least 15% of homes with a mortgage owed more than their home was worth as of first quarter. Okay. Wow. And that's really before the pandemic. <laughs> yes. Effectively. That's right. Yeah. Because the pandemic didn't really start taking effect until uh, March. Yep. And a lot of this uh, was centered around New York City. 11 of those counties, uh, places like Nassau, Orange, Rockland, Suffolk, and Westchester counties. Um, so that's kind of to be expected, as well as Chicago area counties. We're ranking in those top 50 Cook, DeKalb, DuPage, Kendall, Lake, McHenry, and Will counties. There are places we have coaching clients. Of course. So, um, you know, but that's proof, right? So it's not just speculative anymore. People are actually studying this. And, you know, at 15% of the market where you live is underwater and you're not somebody that says, yes, it'd be my pleasure to help you with your short sale, you're missing out at least 15% of what you could be helping. So that's why we're trying to get in front of this for you guys. It is happening. And if 15% of your market a year from now is short sales combined with bank-owned properties, mm -hmm. And you're not, you don't have the ability to do either one. Well, you're just, you've eliminated what will be perceived as some of the, you know, essentially most competitively priced properties in the market. That's right. Because generally speaking, short sales and REOs are, have no interest in keeping the house on the market for a long period of time. You're not going to have to, you know, painfully get yep. the seller to price lower to the sell. price over a long period of time. The banks, and even, especially in short sales, they're going to price them to sell. They're, it's going to be the lowest days in the market are going to be with the distressed real estate. Um, it's a non-emotional transaction. It's gonna, and it's a highly motivated seller. It's the very definition of have to sell And seller. by the way, they also pay your commission. Those yeah. of you who are sick of you know defending your commission, learn how to be a short sale agent. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Works. Learn how to be a... a it, yeah. So these are all... This is the direction that the market's going. And so the smart agent is going to have essentially multiple tools to solve a multiple set of problems. Imagine walking into, walking into a house with a toolbox, and in your toolbox you have just one tool, a screwdriver, and that's all you really know how to do. Mm -hmm. Now what you're going to, and maybe that's worked for you reasonably well over the past decade or so, the new market's going to require that you have all kinds of fancy tools that you didn't even know existed. All at the same time in the same box. You that's know, right. You, you may today be working with a buyer who you've got a competitive bidding situation on, and tomorrow go to a listing situation where the seller is upside down. These things can all happen at the same time in a transitioning market. Right. I mean, you could have, exactly. You could have a seller that has lots of equity, you know, no problem selling their house. Then you could have a buyer that's going to be willing to buy the house, but the house that your seller wants to buy is underwater. And then you're going to be dealing with an agent that doesn't know how to do a short sale. So you're oh, then going to have to help. These, this is all the things that you have to know if you're going to thrive. Now, is it scary? If you don't know what to do, it is. You know, yeah. should you be nervous? You should be if you don't know what to do. Well, you that's know. part of the issue with today's generation of agents, too, bless you, is that many of them don't know what they don't know. They don't know the right questions to ask, so they are potentially going to get into situations that it's hard to get out of because they just, you know, they've, they've had an entire decade of, uh, you know, negotiating, meaning choose an offer. If I were an agent now 
and I were hearing this podcast and some of the other podcasts we've been doing since last week where the primary theme has been distressed real estate, how would I feel? I guess the initial feeling I would have would be similar to how I felt back in March when they basically were starting to you know, let us know that we were going to be in quarantine and there was yeah. a global pandemic. I would feel somewhat fearful. But what I would do is I would remind myself that I made it through the damn pandemic. Yeah. I made it through the, this sort of global thing. And yeah, we're still going through it. And yes, the coronavirus has not gone away. And yes, it's probably going to come back. And yes, there's going to be erratic ways that the local and state governments, all these things are true. I mean, there's going to be shutdowns, not shutdowns, who knows, right? I mean, as of last week, most of Europe basically isn't honoring a U.S. visa because they're not, you know, Europe is claiming that they're not content with how we've handled you know, there's no uniform solution to the virus. And so a lot of these countries in Europe are saying, well, until U.S. citizens are essentially all, you know, given the health cleared, cleared health thing, not and, welcome. you know, not welcome. It's so like in here in um, in uh, Puerto Rico, they basically stopped any there was a whole bunch of people from New York City that were coming down during the pandemic. And uh, Puerto Rico said, nope, no bueno, no more flights from Puerto Rico or from New York City. I mean, that happened. So there'll be things that are similar to that. They're going to happen. And, you know, point is, is what you're going to see happen over the next 12 to 24 months is going to be radically different than anything we've all experienced before, but you've made it through already. You're going to do great provided you know what to do to help people solve problems. And guys, there's not just going to be essentially the ending of the real estate market. Of course not. There'll just be different people that are selling, different people that are buying, but mostly there's going to be different agents providing the services to those types of buyers and those sellers. Those are the types of things you should be excited about. Don't be fearful of it. You can, you fortunately do, if you're listening and you're taking this seriously, you do have time to learn everything that the market, this new market's going to require. You do. Realistically, guys, you have probably... I think 90 to 120 days to really get in the way and, and get in the process of learning the things that we teach you in our premier coaching program. You do have some breathing room, but if you're listening to this replay and it's uh, say, you know, July of uh, 2021, I'm guessing you're realizing that you waited a little bit too long. And so now you need to basically be burning the midnight oil to get caught back up. But for the rest of you, please do not procrastinate. Text the word Harris to 31996. Text word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S to 31996. Any closing thoughts for these well, guys? You know, we do uh, teach them, at, we teach them to earn while you learn, right? So a lot of what we do in Premier Coaching is somebody will have come across a situation they're unfamiliar with, whether that's distressed or leasing or commercial or something unusual that's out of their wheelhouse. We talk about that particular situation. We diagnose it up one side and down the other, but we turn that into a coaching moment for the group so that when you see that, You'll go, ah, I've heard about this before. I know exactly what to do. Instead of, holy cow, I can't deal with this. I better refer it out. Yeah, that's it. And there you go, guys. So go ahead and text. Your homework is, of course, to uh, please, please do consider um, sharing this podcast with as many other people as you possibly can. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, go to iTunes or Stitcher, whatever your podcast listening widget is, and do subscribe. And yes, continue to share this podcast with as many other agents um, as you can, because it really is, it's our job and it's your job 
to get as many people to listen so that a year from now, even six months from now, depending on your market, or if you're in New York City, uh, like six minutes from now, people aren't needlessly suffering. By people, I mean the people that all of us are, which are real estate agents, real estate professionals. Together, we can make it through whatever comes next, right? There's no uniform, one global, or you know, certainly you know, U.S. market. There's going to be hot spots that will always happen no matter where you are, and no matter how bad the overall prevailing market is. There's going to be parts of the country that are going to be doing brilliant. Listen to the show we did yesterday. We talked a little bit about that. We talked about how you can prepare. Um, this is the time where real true professionals shine. Agents that are, have the mindset of service backed up by the skill set to get the job done are the ones that are going to dominate the marketplace going forward. If you guys need us for, for anything, um, always feel free to text me, which is, which is 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. In the meantime, have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris.